Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com and today we're going to talk about how I would start if I were going to start as a mechanic today. This is episode 27 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. All right, so this episode initially aired December 19 of 2014, and we dive in a little deeper about getting started as a mechanic or a technician, whichever you prefer. Uh, That conversation will come at a later time. So this is a question that I get all the time. Charles, how do I start? Charles, what do I do? What's the best way to become a technician or to become a mechanic? For those of you guys that may not know, I do use those terms 100% interchangeably. I don't see a difference in them. If you do, insert the one you prefer when I say the other one. But this is actually no easy decision. You know, there's there's so many ways that we could get started as technicians. Everything from doing what I did, which I'll talk a little bit more in depth today about, like going to tech school and training with a manufacturer, going to a community college automotive repair program, which we've hired guys out of and ha- have been pretty good. Some have been better than others, as, as always, but, but that's another option. Going into the military, I think, is one that I may not have mentioned, but was mentioned in the comments. This is also another audio show that if you have time, I recommend bouncing over to YouTube and checking out the comments because a lot of times, even though there is some YouTube comment nonsense in pretty much every video, there is some really good, really well thought out stuff over there. So we're going to talk about all that and more today. Before we get into the show, though, a couple of things. This is the Friday before the SEMA show. What does that mean for you guys? Well, it means a couple of things. One, if you are going to the SEMA and Apex show, you have a couple of opportunities to come hang out. I will be at the WD-40 booth on Wednesday afternoon, so you can hit me up there. Follow social. That'll be the best way to find out the exact time. Right now, it's looking like in the 130 ballpark, but as things with SEMA and Apex show go, that could obviously change. The other places are on the Apex side. I'll be at the CRP booth, which, as you guys know, has been a huge supporter of the show. I'll be at the CRP booth doing two presentations, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Tuesdays is about common two-liter turbo failures, which should be, you know, a seven- or eight-hour talk. I'm just kidding. It's only about 20 minutes. And then there'll be time for Q&A. So if you have some questions or whatever, feel free, even if it's off-topic. And then Wednesday is about shops utilizing factory scan tools versus some of the aftermarket stuff that's available. As we move forward in the automotive world, I think the need to have the same type of access that a dealership has as far as scan tool goes, it's becoming so much more important than it was even five years ago, especially 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was no big deal. Today, so many modules are locked out from the factory where you have to dial up the mothership, as I always say, and get them unlocked. So those should be two pretty good talks. In addition to that, there'll be a social media panel on Thursday morning with myself and a bunch of other dudes that you guys know and love from the YouTube world. You can come check that out. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other opportunities. I know a lot of you guys hate social media, Facebook and and Instagram and Twitter and whatnot, and I get it. This is one opportunity where it may be worth paying attention to because the ability to create a whole podcast versus posting something on Facebook, um, you know, is, is totally different. Which brings me to the next part about next week is that I'm probably just going to put the show on hold for a week. I've been scrambling to try and get shows done for you guys next week. It's Friday morning and I'm putting out today's show. So I don't think that I'm going to be able to execute good quality shows for you guys throughout the week. 
I will be gathering content while I'm there and hopefully chatting with some of my buddies, Eric, Chris, Jason, uh, Matt, you know, those guys to, to get some content with them. So coming back strong the week after, I will have at least one video come out next week. Somehow it got dinged for YouTube review for inappropriate content. Uh, it's about hacking up a fuel pump, so that should be interesting. Uh, I, I requested a manual review, which usually takes a couple of hours. Luckily, the video is not live yet, so it's not really hurting me in any way. It's just more of a pain in the butt. Today's video, if you want to check that out, is some behind-the-scenes stuff from the Pull Apart Challenge that the episode one aired you know, a few weeks ago. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's awesome. It's so good. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. And episodes two and three, I think, are going to be even better. So stay tuned for that. And one final thing, if you guys like the show, like what I do, want to help support it, check out the Crew Membership Program. This program, you get exclusive content from me, discounts to places like Eastwood, Black Forest Industries, Eurowise, MT Knives, Sonic Tools, S&P Automotive, Prime Sunglasses, MyCanic, Scanner Danner, and more. Check it out. There's a link over on HumbleMechanic.com. Or on the top of the website, click the box at the top that says Crew Member Benefits. It'll tell you all about it. You also get the downloads from the VW Audi training manuals that we build for our classes. By the way, those manuals are like 355 bucks a piece if you wanted to just buy one outright. So already you're paying, you're paying plenty for your crew membership. If that's not your flavor, got a Patreon you can hit. You guys asked me to set that up, so I did for you. Or simple, easy, free click the Amazon link, buy what you're going to buy on Amazon, and I get a little credit for it. All those things really do help me keep the lights on and keep the show here for you guys. Almost every day, except when I have to do things like go to SEMA. I should say except when I get to do things like go to SEMA. All right, enough rambling from me. Charles, let's do it. The way I got into the industry, actually kind of two ways. One, I sold cars for, uh, for about a year before being an automotive tech was ever really on the radar for me. Um, I did that at CarMax. I was pretty successful. Um, a lot of it was fun. A lot of it sucked. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you have a bad reputation selling cars just like you do fixing cars. So uh, that was always a thing that I struggled with. But when I made the decision to get in the industry, I went to tech school. I went to Universal Technical Institute in uh, the campus in Glendale Heights, which actually isn't there anymore. They moved... Uh, couple towns over. But um, while I was there, uh, I, wor I worked full-time. So I worked 40 hours a week. I went to school, whatever, 30 hours a week. Uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of time away, um, you know, out of the house. So uh, it was busy, busy, busy. I think I had, you know, one day off a week at work. School was uh, like six to two, Monday through Friday. So it was full throttle, pretty much straight for a year. Um, I think for me, that was the right choice at the time. Uh, it, I came into the industry as a complete greenhorn. Um, there's, <laughs> you couldn't have really known less about cars than I knew the first day I went to UTI. But, uh, you know, I worked my butt off and, and it paid off really well for me. The negative about doing that, though, is um, I had a $25,000 bill from day one. And actually, the, uh, the new guy that I just got... He said that if you add the Ford program and the Nissan program, you're almost at $40,000. So that's a huge chunk of money. Granted, you learn a lot, but that's a really expensive way just to get your foot in the door. Uh, and you're still a rookie. You know, you're still the newest guy in the shop when you come out of UTI. So um, I think that's a great program for a lot of people, and I think a ton of people really benefit from it. I think if I were going to do it again today, 
I would have a little bit different thought process. Um, you know, it's a little bit unfair to say what I would do today because I know what I know. Um, but UTI is a great thing for a lot of people, but I think I would take a little bit different path. Um, there are a couple ways that people do get in the industry. You know, we can start at places like Jiffy Lube where you're learning fast pace, drain and fill oil, upsell this, upsell that. Um, these places have their place. They get a really bad rap. A lot of it, like a lot of places in the industry is deserved. Uh, I don't know that that would be the right choice for me just because I, I put a lot into the care of a customer's car and relationship building with customers. And this is the opposite of that. This is roll them in, roll them out as fast as you can. Uh, the other kind of the other side of that is working in a small shop, like a mom and pop type garage where you learn all about customer care and taking care of people and relationship building. Um, but you know, I don't know what kind of training program a lot of these places have. I think you get in a place like that because you already know how to fix cars or you're part of the family and you learn that way. Something that's really new that didn't really exist at all when I was, when I was young and, and trying to get in the industry is online learning. Uh, there's some incredible YouTubers out there. Jason from Engineering Explained, Eric the Car Guy, Scanner Danner, all great guys teaching a ton of stuff, you know, for free almost on on YouTube or, you know, they have paid stuff that they do on their own websites, which is awesome. You'll get so much information from these guys. And uh, I think you can get a huge, huge advantage by studying what they do and learning from them, as well as doing other online research, because there's a ton of automotive information out on the internet. Um, a lot of it's scattered, you know, a lot of it's not really regimented in a, in a class type structure. For some people that works really well, some people really do need that logical process. I know Jason from Engineering Explained really builds his videos in that way, which is ultra cool. Um, I love what he does. If you guys haven't checked out Engineering Explained, uh, check him out. I'll put a link to his, his YouTube channel in the show notes. He's, he's incredible, good dude, a friend of mine. Uh, we did the VR6 video together that came out really well. I was really proud of that and, and happy to work with him. But, you know, online wasn't really, it was there, but it wasn't really what it is today. Um, and surely what it can be, you know, a year from now with the growth of, of YouTube and in different venues that way. So I think I would start with that. That would be my first thing. I would get as much knowledge in my noodle as I could online to see if this is really something that I wanted to do, to listen to what, you know, technicians say their experiences both in the shop, out of the shop, um, doing side work and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here today, uh, this is kind of where I would be interested in to see if the way I had to be to be in this industry is something that fit my persona and, and what I was looking for out of a career. So online would be step one. So once I decided that I was going to move forward after the online learning phase, I think for me, the best bet would really be jumping into a dealership with a quick lube or service express program. Uh, you know, I've seen it at my dealership and the program is all right. It works good when the people that are working it are good and when, you know, we can push them to do what they need to do and, and help these young guys get, get going. But think about being able to start in an industry in a dealership, which is a lot of guys' goals. Uh, I know a lot of you guys don't ever want to work in a dealership, and I respect the hell out of that, and that's totally cool. But 
there's a lot of pluses to working in a dealership, especially when you're early in your career. Um, so if you start in the Service Express, you have no investment in education, essentially. You have really no investment in tools. You might have maybe a hundred bucks or, you know, you buy a Makita Impact just to have to use, or you want to buy a, a tire gauge for your own self, a flashlight, maybe, uh, you know, your own screwdriver set. I don't know. But let's say you have a hundred dollar tool investment. You know, my dealership provided a roll cart, uh, full of tools as part of the program, as part of the Service Express program. So it's huge that you don't have to make this. $5,000 investment the first year you're in a career when you're basically making no money. I mean, I think I made $26,000 or something like that my first year. Um, that might not be exactly what it was, but I know it wasn't very much. Um, I did not make a lot of money the first year I, I did this uh, for a living. So, you know, granted, things have changed, but the first year as a technician is very expensive. You know, it, a lot of it's on us and it's our own fault and we can do things cheaper like we talked about the other day um, with managing our money, but it's still expensive. You've got to have tools to fix cars when you're a regular standard line tech, whereas if you're in the Service Express program, you really don't need that. It's a lot of times provided for you. You're hourly, so you basically hit the clock and work. Whether it's crazy busy or slow, you're getting paid the same, so you don't have to worry about flat rate, and learning all at the same time. You get to learn, though, the car line itself. It's good to work in a Service Express in a dealership because you're doing you know, the same car over and over and over again, so you get to know these cars very, very well rather than working on 10 cars in a day and 10 different cars. So early in a career for a lot of guys, that repetition is really, really helpful to sort of get your brain rotating in a way that that'll help you learn the cars, learn what to look for, learn how to look at them, learn how to check things consistently on the same car instead of, you know, Ford fails this way, Chevy fails this way, it's the same part, but it never fails the same. I don't know if that's the thing. I think all Fords and Chevys just fail. Am I right? Just kidding. <laughs> I'm a Volkswagen guy. You know, you gotta gotta get those little jabs in uh, at uh, at other brands when you can. But um, I think it's a great place to start. You're learning from really good technicians in a lot of places. You know, with a mentor that's been around, that knows the car line, that can sort of guide you in the direction that you really want to go, and the hopefully that's the same direction the dealership wants you to go. This is real world from day one. You know, UTI is great about talking to you about customer care and taking care of their car, not only, you know, the physical customer, but their car as well, how to keep a car clean. But there's really no replacement for being dirty and then having to get in a car with a light tan or a light gray interior. You really need to make sure that not only your hands are clean, elbows are clean, shoes are clean, you know, your butt's clean, your back's clean. Uh, talking about it, like I said, is one thing, but actually being in it and having to make sure you do it is another. And if you don't do it, the consequence is you're cleaning up this guy's car and, uh, you know, scrubbing seats while the customer's standing over you like this, you know, scowling at you because you got a big old grease smudge on their seat. Um, talking about it, again, one thing, there's really no replacement for having to physically be in there and deal with it. 
you also get to ask questions of these guys. You know, at one point in my dealership, there was probably 70 years worth of fixing Volkswagen knowledge. And uh, someone coming in new can sort of tap into that if they're if they're motivated and you know charged up and ready to learn and and really want to make that next step to the next level. You have all these guys with a ton of information, and as long as you're not a tool, a lot of times they'll give it to you. You know, I'd I'd be more than happy to do everything I could for for our quick lube guys if that's what they wanted. Um, but you know, that's that's up to them. I'm not going to drag them into it, but if that's what they want, come on, let's go do it. I'll teach you whatever I can. So I think doing that is probably a great second step after we've done the online thing. Um, the other cool thing that, you know, unfortunately Volkswagen's totally, it, it's frustrating for me um, as someone that trains the new technicians. They've totally dropped the ball on their new tr technician training and really put it in the dealership hands. And that can be great if you're at a great dealership, and it can be terrible if you're at a terrible dealership. The way it used to work was called fast track. So a technician would start. It was, you know, six to eight weeks of training. But what you would do is you would go to class for one week, and then you would work in the dealership for three weeks. Then you would go to class for a week. Then you'd go work in the dealership for a three-week time. And there's online, there was online courses too. So you'd be rotating this training over and over and over again, so week one, I'd learn about engines. Then I'd go back in the dealership and I can put what I just learned last week into practice on, on a car just then. And, you know, now they've really backed off of that. But what a great way to train someone without having to pull them for 13 weeks total all at one time and doing a little bit of hands-on stuff. But like I said before, there's really no replacement for in the dealership or in the shop experience. And it really bums me out that, that they have went away from that because I thought it was great. I understand why uh, a lot of dealerships thought it was too much time pulling technicians out of the shop and, and making money for the dealership. But, you know, sadly, in the automotive world, training is lacking, I guess, and the emphasis on certifying technicians and getting them up to speed basically falls on the guy that works next to him on a new guy. You know, you might have a mentor in my shop. I'm the mentor of the new guy generally. So all of his Volkswagen training relies on me. Now I've done it before, but a lot of guys haven't, or maybe they just don't want to. And, you know, you're expecting a high level product produced from this guy when, you know, the guy training him might not have the training to provide him with what he needs, or it may just be a situation where, you know, even though I'm responsible for training this guy, I still got to turn time on flat rate. So his training is always going to take, you know, sort of second stage to me doing what I got to do um, to earn my paycheck. So uh, I like training these guys. I, I think it's fun. And, um, you know, I like giving them a hard time a little bit and, and sort of pulling them along for the ride, uh, you know, and, and I give them as much as, as they really want to give back, but, um, not everybody's willing to do that. So, or not everybody wants to do that. So to expect a high level product with basically a low level return from, from a trainer is, is foolish. I think that's pretty much what I would do. I think I would start at a dealership. I think I would get in the quick lube. I would invest very little time or excuse me, very little money in tools, um, in training and see where it went because I might do this for six months and hate it. I might do it for six months and be like, yeah, 
mm, I want to be a line tech. Let's do it. Now I can start buying tools. You know, I can always buy more tools or start buying tools. It's hard to go back once you've spent the money. So I think for a young guy that doesn't really want to take on $30,000 worth of student loans, doesn't have 10 grand in the bank to buy a bunch of tools, this is an incredible way to get started in the industry. So that brings me to the two questions that I have for you guys. The first one is, if you're in the industry now, how would you get started if you were going to do it today? Knowing all the things that you know, would you still go to tech school? Or would you do something more like I talked about and go to a Service Express program? Um, or would you maybe not do it at all? You know, Do you feel like you're maybe kind of stuck in there because you've been doing it for so long? If you're early in your career or you go to tech school now, what I'm really interested in from you guys is what do you feel like is lacking in this training? Where do you think that these schools and these programs can really improve to help you be better faster? Because let's face it, that's the name of the game, right? Get as good as you can as fast as you can. So those are really the things that I'm, I'm interested in from you guys. Go ahead and post those answers if you have them in the comments section below either on the blog or on YouTube or on Facebook for that matter. Um, and let's open up a little dialogue about this because I'm really, really interested in it. So this is a topic that we will be talking about as time goes on more and more and diving deeper into. And it's actually something that I think pretty soon I'm going to revisit with a fresh mind and do a whole new show on because it is so important. And I really do get this question all the time. Should I become a mechanic? How do I do it? What's the best way? It's not cheap. It can be very expensive to go to tech school. Tools are expensive. The investment in not making a lot of money for a while is expensive. So all those things and more, I think, are, are incredibly important. So as always, if you guys have questions, comments, drop it down in the comment section. That's what it's there for. I always encourage it. I always recommend it. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Snapchat. And hey, guys, if you're digging the audio show, do me a couple of favors. Give it a share. If you know other people that are in the automotive world that may enjoy this on their car ride to work, or while they're out in the garage, I really would appreciate the share. And hey, bounce over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform and leave it a review. If you think it's good and worth five stars, that's awesome. I can't thank you enough. If you think it's worth less, well, I'm still going to thank you for the review either way. I appreciate the honest feedback. I truly, truly do. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.